I'm your host, Emma Thomas, and today we're welcoming Mari Williams. Mari is a leadership coach, therapist, and mediator, and she's also the author of It Begins With You, Transform Your Mind to Excel as an Alternative Leader. When she's not doing all that, she's also the host of the Alternative Leader podcast. But as she said, offline, she's really here, not in her professional capacity, but to talk about her own personal experiences of perimenopause and to share that with us. So welcome to the podcast, Murray. Thank you very much. So yeah, it, as I was saying, just before we we kind of hit record, it, today's World Mental Health Day, although by the time I get around to editing this and putting it, putting it out there, that, that'll be a few weeks behind us, I'm sure. Was it particularly the sort of the emotional, psychological experiences of of kind of your own perimenopause that were the ones that surprised you? Yeah, so I think, I think having, so I think the first thing was that I wasn't at all informed about it at all. Mm. Um, I kind of knew it was coming my way. I remember my mother having patches, but I kind of just thought it was this thing where yeah, your period stopped and you might feel a bit emotional. And I remember the big thing I remember of it was thinking about osteoporosis. That seemed to have been really drummed into me, but I didn't really know anything about it. Um, And I hit it quite early, perimenopause, probably. So I'm 50 now, but literally since I've been about 43, it's been something that's been on the radar and I've had um, HRT tablets for initially and now patches. Um. And I think what I thought was going to happen, having kind of then started to read about it, was, you know, people talked about having immense amounts of bleeding and and hot flushes where they would, you know, drip with sweat. And and I, I kind of thought, OK, well, that's fine. I'll just I'll kind of just, you know, be really strong about that. And OK, you know, I'll, you know, that'll be fine. And actually, I would say the the physical signs of it the bleeding etc i haven't had because my cycle is still really regular but the emotional side of it literally i would say kind of turned my life upside down and as somebody you know as you just said who's a therapist who's a coach you know somebody who's i'm really used to actually having quite good mental health yeah it was definitely the psychological effect that really got to me and got to me early which is a point I wanted to make. So, you know, my cycle, I'll kind of go into it later. It's just been, it's been artificially stopped, but actually it was just a 33 day cycle and it went from 28 to 33 days. And that was the only difference I saw in it. So actually I might not have even realized I was perimenopausal had I not started to understand mm. the psychology. I think that's a very common misconception. Yeah, even even just uh, last week when I was doing some training, somebody sent some feedback and said, you know, this was really helpful because I'm, you know, I'm still having regular periods. And so just sort of almost doubted whether I would be laughed out of the GP surgery for kind of going along and talking about my symptoms. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just really, really important. Yeah. And also I think that another kind of reason really why sort of having that awareness of the sort of the psychological the emotional the mood swing Mm. side of things is so important because I think very often that's that's one of the earliest Mm. things that people will be experiencing and potentially as you say still having perfectly normal kind of cycles at the same time and so wouldn't necessarily have that kind of put two and two together to understand that that was what was going on and I think so I was incredibly lucky that I had an incredibly good doctor 
Um, some of the stories I hear from other people, you know, quite horrendous. Um, and I, you know, just, I, I was very lucky. I've changed GP practice now, but at the time, um, it was a male doctor. He was really supportive. He immediately put me on um, Femiston when I kind of went in and said, you know, I'm really struggling with my mood. And it really did seem to make a big difference. And I was on um, Femiston for probably about four or five years. And it did seem to sort of hold it. And I kind of forgot all about menopause and thought, wow, this is fine. And this <laughs> is easy. It. And, you know, what's the problem here? And then, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is, say, you know, we were going through some sort of family um, sort of trauma over the kind of last few years. And so then it became really hard to tell, well, do I feel sad and low because of things that are going on or do I feel sad and low because of menopause? You know, what, what's going on here? And I think I really wanted to make that point because actually <laughs> I'm 50. If You know, all of my friends have got stuff going on. We're the sandwich generation now. And I think that there has to be an awareness for women to not discount their feelings and say, oh, well, you know, I've got this stress or I've got yeah. this going on or my parents are ill or whatever's going on for them and and disregard their feelings. And I I genuinely got to a point, and I, I'll be really honest, I got to a point where I felt quite suicidal. I think it was last summer or the summer before. And that's very not me. I'm very, very optimistic as a person. But we had had some quite serious stuff going on. And in the end, actually, I thought, I just wonder if this is hormonal. And I, you know, I run, I love my business. I love my work with my clients and I'm very good at it. And I started to question how good was I? And should I be scaling the business down rather than trying to scale it up? Um, I started to not want to go out and do talks in front of people. My brain fog was awful. and I mean, absolutely awful. So, and I would get night sweats for two or three months and then it would stop. I've never had flushes. I've never had that at all. I've never had excessive bleeding. I've never had a lot of those physical signs, but the emotions were absolutely awful. And that was, and you were taking HRT. And I was taking HRT. So it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I then, what I did was I thought I'm, I'm going to double check this. Um, and I was lucky enough that I paid, I pay. I, I actually got to the point where I thought there's no point in having savings if I'm not here. That That's how bad I was starting to feel. And so my, my GP, again, really lovely, recommended an, an amazing woman called Imogen Shaw. I saw her and I can remember going in and just feeling like this is not menopause. You know, I've got a lot of stress on, you know, in my life. This is just me feeling low. And I felt almost a bit of a fraud going in. And I cried for 45 minutes on her <laughs> and literally said, you know, I felt suicidal. I don't know if I should be scaling my business up and down. I don't, I feel like I'm losing my identity. I remember saying to her, I don't really know who I am anymore. Um, and at the end of it, she just turned around and she said, you absolutely have got some stress going on in your life. You absolutely have. And she said, but this is menopause. And she said, this is perimenopause. And she said, you're massively undermedicated. And she immediately increased my dose. I think she did three times the dose I was on. She moved me to patches because she said it was um, better absorbed than tablets. One of the issues I've also had is I've always had really bad PMT um, to the point of being diagnosed with PMSD, which is a severe syndrome of it. And I never realised that that was going to worsen during perimenopause. And so, of course, I was putting a lot of my symptoms down to that. But one of the things um, that I'm really keen to get over is 
I am really progesterone sensitive. So, and in that second part of the month, and, and it's very common with people who have bad PMT, my body, I get constipated, I feel really sluggish, um, but it really affects my mood, progesterone mm. does. And so the other thing that she did on kind of hearing my story was um, she actually gave me vaginal progesterone which is absorbed straight obviously in through the vagina but doesn't affect your mood so much and I have to say that's been a game changer for me um so you're, because you're not taking it either um through a patch or tablet it's not you don't get that kind of systemic so the whole body no effect it's just locally no so you can still take it because obviously you need to take it if you still have your womb but honestly, the difference, it, it was a complete difference. So we started me on tablets and I still got that mood swing. And then we changed to the vaginal ones and it just, the mood swing stopped. Is um, that something you so, can only get through a sort of a specialist able to prescribe that? I don't think so. Um, so actually the tablets that I use vaginally are oral tablets. Um, but she said, that's fine. You just, just put them up your vagina instead. Um, so we kind of had a giggle about it. And it took a bit of use getting used to, yeah. but the the difference in not having that mood change um, was really was really really good for me. And just you know, when I first went, you know, when I was feeling quite suicidal, within five days of having changed to patches and the progesterone, my mood had lifted, wow. and all of the identity crisis lifted, everything lifted. And so, I just feel it's really important that women keep pushing for for that proper treatment because the hormones make so much difference and especially if you're somebody who's had bad pmt all your life you know i think we tend to hit menopause harder and, we, yeah. and you kind of think it's the reverse don't you because i think we think of perimenopause as being where all of those symptoms are reducing but actually what i've learned <laughs> it all kind of goes a bit haywire and, and and then it might reduce so i think it's really important to look back at your history of actually how you've been rather than looking at the menopause or something and perimenopause, sorry, is something that sits separately. And you'll hear me getting confused there. And again, that was confusion I had mm. was that I thought menopause was as soon as you started having symptoms. And it was again, only on reading that I realized it's perimenopause until you have your period stopped. So I think that's even a basic that a lot of women don't know is the difference between perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's, it, uh, I suppose it's the word menopause has been around in common usage for so long that it kind of does double duty, but it is really, yes. really helpful to now that we are talking about perimenopause much, much more and people are sort of starting mm. to to get that there are these kind of distinct mm. phases. But yeah, we should we should try and be kind of accurate when we're, I guess, when we're discussing the, the sort of the different stages. But it's fascinating that even somebody with your background, your professional kind of training, your level of normal sort of self-awareness can almost be hoodwinked to that extent by your own your own brain and sort of be feeling so so bad but yet unable to sort of really kind of have the clarity to to see when you're kind of mm. deep in the thick of it and I'm sure there will be sort of other people listening who who kind of have experienced the same or, or might feel similar at the moment so you know I think it is always worth getting it checked out yeah, we are, as you say, sort of being being walloped quite often on all sides from, from you know, yeah. whether it's work stress or work complications or children stress or parent stress or 
divorce stress so many <laughs> so many different options mm. and some sometimes all of them all at once that it is hard sometimes to sort of to disentangle I mean you know not that long ago that we had pandemic stress on top of all of it as well <laughs> so those of us lucky enough to be kind of starting perimenopause at the same time as as having a pandemic um, even harder to sort of try and try and get some clarity but also I think one of the other interesting things I wanted to talk to you about as well because there's more and more research sort of looking into kind of unpacking the impacts of um, sort of adverse childhood experiences sort of early kind of life trauma on the sort of severity of menopause symptoms do you think that your own sort of experiences from your own kind of early life might also have, have had an impact on you? So I think I think that I had dealt with almost all of my own sort of childhood baggage as much as we kind of ever deal with it. I definitely, so what I can say is that definitely dealing with my childhood baggage in my 30s reduced my PMT. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely really? noticed a difference in that. Um, I think it's just because, you know, if your unconscious mind is, busy dealing with a a lot of baggage that you've got and it's then put under a pressure situation which is what I kind of see the PMT as being that you're you know you're in your kind of almost your fight flight freeze so actually when you clear out some of that baggage there's more resilience there's more space there's more room to manage your emotions being heightened and so I think for me it was that's where I noticed it I noticed it in PMT I didn't notice it so much in menopause what I noticed was was how the effects were so many more than I thought. So I think one day I Googled symptoms and there were something like 35 symptoms of menopause or perimenopause. And I had something like 21 of them. <laughs> um, a friend of mine calls, calls it the gift that keeps on giving. And it just seemed that every time I went to the doctors with something, they'd say, well, you are perimenopausal. And just everything seemed to be linked to it. But I think definitely what I would say is if you have historic baggage there from childhood, I think it affects everything anyway. So therefore, when you're then under any level of pressure situation, whether that's trauma, whether that's perimenopause, whatever that is, whether it's yeah divorces, deaths, et cetera, you just respond, you know, in a worse way because you're already dealing with a lot of emotion. So I, I sometimes use the kind of, if you wake up with a hundred energy points, you know, what are they going to get spent on? If you've already spent, you know, 50 of them immediately on the fact that you've just got a load of unconscious baggage going on for you that you've mm. always carried, you've only got 50 left. And then along comes perimenopause and demands an awful lot more. So I would, I totally agree with the sentiment. I think for me, I was lucky that I'd done it beforehand. Um, there's definitely some other things I would say it's brought up for me. And I, I don't know whether that's age or perimenopause, but it's definitely made me look back at my life in a very different way. And it's looked at, made me look at who I am as a woman, um, who I am sexually, you know, I think, because it obviously affects your libido. So I think you look back in a very different way. But yes, I would completely agree that I think if you're already carrying baggage, then it then it exacerbates it. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point as well about that sort of resilience, because I think for many of us, we getting to the kind of the kind of the crunchy parts of this and we're like well why can't I cope why can't I you know I used to be able to cope with this you know very Mm. sort of similar levels of stress and suddenly I can't cope Mm. and you know again it is that sort of hormonal fluctuation that isn't kind of helping Mm. us but again if your if your resilience is already lowered by carrying Mm. sort of some of that 
historical stuff around with you and that's not been dealt with and then that's not going to help you either and, so and I think um so over the summer I, I I broke up with my um partner and it was very amicable split but I started you know I did the kind of you know tears and upset of course for the first few, you know few weeks but I started to notice my mood ricocheting and I could literally be at kind of seven out of ten perfectly fine in the morning then I would drop to like a minus ten and feel quite suicidal I could be back up again an hour later and I was sort of saying to friends you know, is this normal? You know, I don't remember having experienced this before, you know, after a breakup. And they would say, no, no, you know, you've had some stress and you've had, you know, it's normal. And I would actually really say to people, if you're under a huge amount of stress, just go and ask for your hormones to be checked. Um, and I realized that, um, so in April, I was actually moved on to an injection called Zolodex. And what Zolodex does, it's often used in cancer treatments, but for me, it can be used for PMT. And what it does is it pushes your body artificially into the menopause. So you literally, your cycle stops, you stop having periods, your ovaries shut down. And they did that to actually give me an emotional break from my PMT for just sort of six months because mm. I'm, I was actually considering having my ovaries removed because my, my emotional mood was going up and down so much. Um, and I suddenly realized that actually I'd had a completely normal cycle plus the HRT that I was still on. And we'd shut down my cycle and not change the HRT. So I called the doctor and said, look, I think my mood is ricocheting too much. I know I've had a breakup, you know, I know I'm tearful, I know all of that, but this feels worse. And so we tested my oestrogen and they called and said, oh, it's incredibly low and actually doubled my HRT immediately. And again, my mood has lifted and balanced out. So I just really think it's so important that we listen to our own bodies and our own minds as to how we're feeling because for me, everybody around me was saying, no, 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 you know, that mood swing's fine. And I could have cruised along, you know, for months, months, yeah, months feeling them. that awful. And obviously, you know, I'm still upset. I've been through a breakup. But it was honestly nothing like the mood drops and the mood swings I was getting. And I actually said to a friend, I don't mind what mood I have. I just want it balanced for a day. You know, I don't care what it is. And and again, within, I think it was five days of having the additional HRT, my mood just completely balanced. And I'm now a nice kind of seven out of 10 again, most days. So I just think there's so much misinformation about, oh, we're so stressed, we're emotional, or it's a hard time of yeah. life and all of that stuff. And it absolutely is all of those things, but we are still hormonal and we are losing those hormones or gaining those hormones or they're changing or they're fluctuating. And we need to not only engage with that but get it checked really regularly a simple blood test just showed that my estrogen level had plummeted you know without us thinking that it would of course it would because we just stopped my cycle so you know that's something I just yeah want people to listen to yeah I mean is that something that you would recommend for somebody who's feeling like their you know their, their mood is is kind of fluctuating a lot to literally kind of almost put a number on it and to track that because I think it's very easy to kind of to think oh yes you know my mood's here there and everywhere but mm -hmm. but to actually be able to remember and then to be able to explain to somebody like almost like you were saying I, I'm I'm kind of I'm a seven then I'm a minus five then I'm a nine then I'm kind of a minus mm -hmm. one to actually try, sort of try and quantify that to help mm. them sort of see what's going on 
Yeah, so I have um I have one of those um you know those called sort of long calendars with just a little strip for each day. Mm-hmm. Um and actually earlier this year I started tracking my mood. Um I tracked my mood, my steps and my deep sleep um because I was really trying to work on sleep because I think sleep affects our mood, you know, crazy Definitely. amount. Um and I just it was very interesting. So that was how I started to realize I was still getting PMT was it would you know I'd have good mood for 2 weeks and then it would just start to descend into a kind of a bit sad, bit tired, bit low, bit whatever. So I absolutely would recommend that. Track whatever you need to track. Um, But for me, it does help me to say, does my mood feel as I think it should for what is going on for me personally? So whether you've got nothing going on or a lot going on, if you track your mood, just each night, just have that little reflection of, so how have I felt today? I tracked steps because I started to notice that actually the more exercise I'd done, the the higher my mood was. Mm. So I started to really see that as a correlation. So when I started tracking, it was to try to work out kind of what had an effect on my life. Um, so I think pick whatever it is that you want to track. I also do think it is useful to actually have a blood test. I was really lucky that that because I'd gone privately to this HRT um, doctor, she had just done a blood test as a kind of starting point. And so then when it was lower, we had a starting point of I felt good here, you know, it was okay to then be able to measure for her to say, oh, gosh, yes, it's dropped really low. And um, so I actually think having a blood test and re- and actually seeing, you know, how where is my estrogen? Is it enough? Because I do think a lot of women cruise along on just saying I'm tired, you know, I'm stressed or and I've got a lot going on. And 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 actually we're good copers. <laughs> and so we cope and we just get on with whatever the next thing is that life chucks at us. But actually, for me, her saying your blood test is showing your estrogen is low. It was really validating to say, yeah. I thought something was going on. I thought this was abnormal and it helped me trust myself even more. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, but you were already on HRT. So you were kind of measuring the the estrogen level with, with HRT in your system. Whereas I think if someone's looking to go onto HRT for the first time, certainly if they're over 45, they wouldn't necessarily get Mm. a test uh, and automatically, at least on, if they're seeing an NHS GP, um, where you're already on HRT, but you're still symptomatic, mm. then then that seems that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and one of the things I was told is that when you have patches, that um, it's absorbed into the body more easily than tablets, because obviously the tablet has to go through the stomach and through the stomach acid and stomach contents. Um, so I think it's also worth people really exploring what works for them. So I've had friends who've been on patches, haven't worked for them, then they've gone to gels, and so. I think it's also to stay aware, to not just go, oh, great, I've got some treatment and then sit with it for years, actually recognize, as you said, I had no idea that you could have a regular cycle and still be in perimenopause. And interestingly, recently, um, I, you know, I was talking to my sisters because I thought, well, I've been perimenopause and now since my early 40s, I'm 50. And, you know, the HRT doctor was saying to me, oh, you'll probably be done in you know, a couple of years. Most of my friends are 52. You've got no periods. They're done. And I thought, I've still got cycle. And my sister, who's 58, still has a cycle, Mm. completely regular cycle. And so I sort of actually spoke to my aunt. And then I asked my aunt, my mother's died. So I asked my aunt and she said, oh, yes, her periods hadn't stopped at all until she was 50. And my mother's until she was 60. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I've got another 10 years of this. (laughs) And that's why I was saying I was actually thinking about, you know, possibly having... um, I think it's called an oophorectomy um, and having my ovaries out. Um, But just starting to actually look at what is your family link, I think is really useful. How old 
were, if you can find them, how old were the other females in your family? And what does that mean for you? Because for me, you know, they were sort of saying, oh, you probably only need some treatment for two years. Actually, it could be 10. Mm -hmm. Um, And how am I going to manage that? then? what what does that look like for me? And so I think I would say to people, look at their family history as well, because I I didn't know that. Again, you, you didn't ask well that's that's it isn't it it's one of the, again comes back to the sort of the taboo topic that <laughs> why would you know it's not people go around volunteering that information my my mum had a, a hysterectomy when she was when I was in my teens so kind of hard to know what what her mm. sort of, um, menopause point would have been impossible to know but um yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, now you're sort of, yeah, feeling kind of more on an even keel and sort of happy that you're on top of things or? Yeah, I am. I think I'm, I think I'm really aware, though, that my cycle's been artificially shut down and that's not something they can do in the long term. Mm-hmm. And I think like many other women, and I've seen a few sort of posts about this is, you know, there was one time I couldn't get my patches because, you know, the, the country was out of them. Yeah. And I genuinely remember feeling like quite scared of oh my gosh but this is the thing that holds my mood um you know at some point I will have to come off these injections and sort of make a decision about you know how, how, can I manage where I'm at or not mm-hmm. um I don't really want to have a hysterectomy but you know if that's where it ends up that that's where it ends up but I think I've really moved to a space of just really trying to keep really informed starting to look more at the literature starting to not even just listen to to friends because I think friends are and I apologize to all my friends but are notoriously bad <laughs> mean well but <laughs> bad so I'm probably terrible too but you know um you know we inform each other with little snip, snippets that we've heard and I think it is really important to find a GP that will listen to you and is responsive to you but also to keep that reflection point of how am I feeling and what is going on for me so I'd feel really nervous. I feel really nervous about the fact I'll have to come off these injections sometime. I feel really nervous at the mood swings that I've experienced when it hasn't gone well. And the fact that it affected my identity so much, it really made me think, gosh, um, I still don't do a lot of talks. That's something I'm having to kind of build my courage up to do again, which that was something I had no problem with at all. My brain fog isn't you know, it's not as bad, but it's not great. I quite often lose words or I mumble words. So there's definitely still symptoms sort of rumbling along, you know, at the same time. And I think it is, for me, I think I've sort of, obviously, I'm very lucky that I have managed, certainly for now, to get it quite balanced. I've started to look very holistically. So how much exercise am I doing? How much weight am I carrying? What am I eating? How much sleep am I getting? And actually, you know, how, how often am I seeing my friends? How often am I doing things that make me happy? Um, and I think that's really important because um, I do think it's a pressure point in our lives and we tend to put ourselves last. <laughs> and actually, we all know, don't we, that when you do even just a simple walk, I started with literally walking for 15 minutes as many times a week as I could. Um, and even that lifted my mood. So I, I guess what I'm trying to do is always sort of bring the other side of the seesaw up and say, OK, well, if yeah. you know, I can get these things in as well and keep my mood higher because of those things, keep myself feeling fitter, stronger, etc. Then hopefully, you know, as I come off these injections or if my hormones take a wobble, I, I almost feel I've got a bit more of a foundation to kind of hold things a bit safer. Got your toolkit at the ready. And actually, I think that bit about community is really important. Friendship, you know, certainly being able to kind of laugh about the symptoms with friends has been really important to just sort of say, oh, yeah, you know, feeling really menopausal today or whatever. 
but some of my friends have just you know they've just glided through it and and haven't had anything at all and others you know it's it's been horrendous so I think charting our personal journey is really important yeah well thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your own personal story Uh, may resonate with with other people out there especially if uh, as you say they've struggled with with PMT or PMDD uh, in the past I think you know it is having that sort of self-awareness and really kind of tuning in to to what's going on for you not not kind of getting buried under the the avalanche of of life and just sort of uh, (laughs) thinking I'll just get through today you know tomorrow will be better Mm -hmm definitely always worth going to to see the GP if you're if you're really really struggling and and just getting that checked out yeah and I would I would also just say you know my GP was absolutely lovely but when I went to see the private specialist he was really supportive of that and it it didn't cost me an absolute fortune I know people sort of worry a lot about money it didn't and he was very supportive and he said kind of I know what I've picked up you know as a GP and it is useful if you can to go and see somebody who is a specialist, whether that's through the NHS or not. And so that was really lovely. So I would say if you don't have a GP that is supportive of perimenopause, then I would look to change because I think it is really important. And just the second point really to kind of just say again is um, it's not well known about people being progesterone sensitive. So if you do have a bad PMT, it might be worth looking at can I switch the progesterone that I'm taking to a vaginal one? Because it really was a game changer for me. So just to kind of flag that up again, because mm. um, it's something I think a lot of GPs don't even know about either. I'll find some good resources. I'll put them in the show notes for people who think that that might be going on for them so they can go and do a bit more research. But yeah, thank you, Murray. It was a pleasure to finally no, get to talk thank to you. you. Thanks for bearing with me to rescheduling <laughs> our chat. But yeah, it was no. lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.